Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. The Word of God is transformative. Amen? And when we think about the Word of God and we think about what God has given us through the Word, there is so much to cover on this particular issue. Uh, to try to do it in one particular message is almost absurd. The Word of God is, is it's what we're all about. And there's several things that I want to share with you this morning in terms of what the Word of God does for us, how God uses His Word in our lives, and constant, constantly being reminded that the Word of God uh, is what is necessary in our lives in order for us to grow in Christ. But we can't figure out the Word of God in and of ourselves. The Word of God is a, a book that is spiritually appraised. It is spiritually understood. I, I've, I've so many people all through the years of ministry that I've been a part of, uh, people will come and say, well, I don't understand this. I don't understand. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that the Word of God needs to uh, be appraised by the Spirit of God in us so that we even have an understanding of what the Word of God means. You can't just sit down and decide like some academic setting that you're going to read it and figure it out on your own. And the Word of God is not just a blueprint or a map for our lives, that if we just do a bunch of checklist things that it tells us to do, we're automatically going to experience success in a way that we've never experienced before. People look at the Word of God in so many different ways. I've, I've had so many conversations throughout the years in my ministry experience where the Word of God is neglected, and it's all kinds of other types of things that we run to in order to figure out life, figure out how to grow things, figure all this stuff out. I've even heard statements, and some of it's true, again, baby bathwater, some of it's true. But I've heard statements like, well, we can't tell somebody who doesn't believe in the Word of God about the Word of God because they need to understand that the Word of God is the Word of God first and foremost. And until they come to that understanding, then the Word of God is irrelevant to them. And I find that, what? <laughs> I want to look at Jonathan and go, what? Right? That's my son. That's okay. It's a joke between him and me, all right? I, nobody, I didn't expect you to get it. I'm just letting you in on it. The Word of God is all-powerful. It is God's Word. It is God's Word. And when we talk about the Word of God and we talk about the weapons of the church, right? Jesus, the hero of history, and all through this year, we've been working through uh, the creation, Genesis. We spent a lot of time in Genesis, and then we kind of blitzed through the Old Testament. I get it. And now we're in the church, the church in grace. And one of the things we need to understand and maybe be reminded of over and over and over again is that the Word of God is a powerful weapon because it's living and active. It's no ordinary book. God's Word is faithful. God's Word is true. God's Word is able to cut through all the nonsense, get right to the heartbeat, right to the root of things. God's word is able to change and transform people. God's word is able to renew our minds. God's word is able to teach us to walk by faith. God's word gives us exactly what God has said, who he is, what he's able to do, and what he's said about us. And if we're not in the word of God, folks, then I can guarantee you we're not growing in Christ. Flat out. You know, I, I was uh, working on some stone yesterday. 
And I don't really like doing that kind of stuff. I hate yard work. I really do. I grew up doing it all the time, and I'm so glad for just rocking the yard. You know, grass is highly overrated, highly overrated. Sorry, it really is. It looks great on somebody else's yard. <laughs> I like these zero escape kind of moments, you know. But I've got some rock, and I had to move it, and thank goodness Jonathan was helping me a little bit. And, but I, I got through it. I had to dig some of the dirt, which out here is ridiculous. And uh, I got it moved out and moved the rocks, probably close to two tons of it or something like that. And today I'm a little stiff. I'm a little sore. So don't move too quick. If you come to shake my hand afterwards or if you give me a hug, it's going to be careful, careful. And the reason is is because I don't necessarily work out all the time. I'm sorry for those of you who do. God bless you. Couch potatoes live longer. I'm sorry. We do. I don't necessarily work out all the time, so my muscles aren't necessarily used to moving two tons of rock. See, what happens is we tend to come on Sunday mornings and we get our exercise. We get our food, if you want to put it that way. We get our meal. And one time a week isn't enough, folks. It's just not we got to be in the Word of God all the time. we got to be saturated in the Word of God. we got to breathe the Word of God. we got to be nourished in the Word of God. we got to constantly be fed by the Word of God. we got to constantly be exercising that faith muscle, so to speak, of getting into the Word of God and learning to walk by faith, learning to walk trusting the Lord, learning to walk in such a way that in everything, our instinctual, absolute, automatic reaction to all the circumstances of life are not, oh no, what are we going to do about this, but rather, what does God say about this? What does God say about this? I love the story of uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Have you heard of him? He's a Russian who was placed in a gulag for over 20 years, just an unbelievable uh, intellect. He had many... uh, different things that he would say and stuff that he would write. I think they only allowed him to publish one book, and he suffered deeply for the things that he said. Let me give you a couple quotes from him, because one of them in particular just, I love it. He said, everything you add to the truth subtracts from the truth. Think about that. Everything you add to the truth subtracts from the truth. Truth doesn't need to be added to it. We certainly don't want to take away from it. But if we add to it, we've diminished the truth because we've, in effect, said the truth isn't full. When we talk about the Word of God, the Word of God is the Word of God. It is not our right and it is not in our prerogative to either take away from or add to. The truth is the truth and it's God's Word and that ought to be sufficient. The second thing that he says, and I I love this one, the simple step of a courageous individual is not to take part in the lie. One word of truth outweighs the world. Wow. Think about that. One word of truth outweighs the world. Wow. Think about that, friend. God's word is truth. And God's truth cuts through all the lies of the world, Satan, and the system, and including our own flesh. 
and our fleshly tendencies and the things we tend to lead to go towards automatic. God's truth defeats all lies. His truth is a weapon that cannot be defeated. The question is, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? And I would suggest that every day we have an opportunity to reveal in some way, shape, or form whether we really believe that or not. Because as I said earlier, our reaction, our response to life circumstances, to the relationships, to people, to all the different things that we go through, ought to first and foremost be, what does God's word say about this? And how are we walking with the Lord? How are we trusting him? How do we believe what God has to say? Or are we constantly being tossed about by every wind of doctrine, not sure what to believe, not sure how to put it into our own framework and reference of thought? Or do we simply say, Lord, you're bigger than us. We trust your word, even when we don't understand, and it's okay. We rejoice in who you are. We glorify your name because we believe the word of God. Let me give you several things this morning in terms of just the word of God and what we're talking about. First of all, God's word is a living word. It's a living word. Now, it's interesting to me because I love the Bible, but I don't worship the Bible. That sounds sacrilegious, but hang on, hang on. We worship the Lord. Amen? And we absolutely revere the written word of God because it is the Lord's word. So we get into the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit within us begins to illumine our minds as to what the Word of God actually means, and we grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And our lives are transformed as a result of it. We can't see Jesus afresh through the Word of God, through the glasses of the Word of God, and not be changed. If there's no change, then, friend, we didn't meet with Jesus. The reality of it is when we walk with God and we begin to get into his word, we begin to understand that the written word of God has meaning because it was breathed into existence by the living word of God. Amen? 1 John 1.1, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John is writing this, and he is writing to those individuals who are receiving this, believers that are receiving this, and he's saying, we have looked at and we have touched with our hands the word of life. We know Jesus. We've been with them. We've experienced him. But he calls them the word of life, the logos of life, the expression of the reality of the Father in action where we can see him, understand him, recognize who he is, what he's done, what he's able to do, and the reality, as David shared about Philip, that he is a perfect reflection of the Father because he and the Father are one. The living word. John 1, verse 14, he tells us the word became flesh. Interesting word. It's a time word. He became flesh. If you look at all the different descriptors of the Logos or the Lord Jesus Christ prior to verse 14 in John chapter 1, you're going to find the word was used constantly. And that word was in the Greek literally means the eternal one. 
the eternal one. He has always been and always will be. This is the first time in verse 14 that he uses a time word referring to specific human history. The word became flesh. He entered into time even though he created time, even though he is above time. He became a man. He became flesh. The living word. What did he do? He dwelt among us. We saw his glory, the true identity of who he really is. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, the one of a kind, unique Son of God, second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ himself, full of what? Grace and truth. Wow. Think about that. The written word has meaning because it's the living word's message. And we get into the written word, and the Holy Spirit in us begins to transform us, to renew our minds, begins to teach us. It is a spiritual book. It is not appraised by man. Unbelievers will not have a full understanding of the written word of God because the Holy Spirit does not live within them in order to teach them the deeper things of God that are available to all but can only be understood through the person of the Holy Spirit. Understand that. If you're confused by some of the things in the Word of God, hey, understand that. We, we, there's a lot of things that I have questions on, and I can't wait to get up. And I'm sure Paul, the apostle, and I'm sure Spiro Zodiades, and I'm sure my father-in-law, Wayne Barber, are all sitting down, talking it out. And I can't wait to be a little fly on the wall in heaven and listen in on that conversation. Amen? Because there's a lot of things I have questions about, but fundamentally we understand some things. We understand that Jesus Christ is God. We understand God is good. We understand that he came to this world in order to go to the cross to die so that we might have life, to shed his blood so that everyone here can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the promise that is given to us when we believe that we will be saved. And not just at any moment, we're saved for eternity. Praise God. We know that. Amen. Oh, don't be schizophrenic. Praise the Lord. Heaven's sakes, right? You're all so funny. I, Baptist churches have cracked me up. And I'm sorry. I'm Baptist, so I can throw Baptist, right? We always wonder whether we should clap or not, right? And it's beautiful to watch. Come on. If you're going to clap, clap. Let it out. The living word of God. God's word is a living word. And as a result of that, we have the opportunity to know Christ, and we have the opportunity to walk with him every day. So let's talk about the written word for a moment. What does the written word of God do in our lives? Well, the written word of God is the truth. I'm always haunted a little bit by Pontius Pilate, where he said, what is truth? You know how many people are walking around saying, well, what is truth? And in the day and age we live in where truth can be whatever you think you want to make it into, that question is as relevant today as it was when Pontius Pilate spoke it. Because all of us have to come to some particular moment in time where we ask that question, what is truth? And we're either going to believe the word of God because of who the Lord is or we're not. Folks, there really is no in-between ground here. There's no gray area. I know that everybody wants to make it into a gray area. But with God's word, you either believe it or you don't. You either trust the Lord or you do not. You're either for the Lord or you are not. There's really no gray area here. 
The written word of God is the truth. James 1.18 says this, In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of firstfruits among his creatures. Did you catch that? He brought us forth, how? By the word of truth. The word of truth. God's word is true, period. The question is, are we in it? Is it the air we breathe, so to speak? Are we living it? Are we being renewed in our minds? Are we being transformed as we get into the word of God, as we begin to reflect on God's thoughts, as we begin to be taught by the Lord himself through his word? It is a word of truth. John 17, 17. In the Lord's prayer for his disciples, which includes us, he says, sanctify them in the truth. He's praying to the Father, and he's asking the Father to sanctify his disciples in the truth. And then he makes this statement, your word is truth. That's an absolute statement of fact. There is no way to get around this. He is specifically speaking to the message of God to humanity, and he's saying, Father, sanctify, cleanse your disciples, your believers, those who are willing to follow you. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. How are we sanctified in our lives? How do we become more like Christ? How are we being cleansed? How are we experiencing God and becoming what he has already declared us to be? It is by God's truth. And that is essential. That is not secondary. That is not something we ought to put on the shelf and leave it there. That is something that we ought to participate in moment by moment of our Christian walk. Well, there are works that take place as a result through the believer. And I love what Paul tells the Thessalonian believers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Wow, think about that. I I love that encouragement to the Thessalonian believers. You receive the word of God, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. And the word of God, because you have believed, now is working in you, and it's evident to all. That's, in effect, the context of what he's saying to them. What a beautiful truth. Have we received the word of God for what it really is, the word of God, or have we looked at it as just a good book? No, 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 it's God's word. He breathed it. Therefore, it's from him. We worship the Lord, but we listen to his word. And God begins to use his written word in our lives in order to change us, transform us, renew our minds, so that through us, the works that he has for us to walk in, that he planned before the foundation of the earth, are something that would then begin to be revealed in the midst of our lives and through our lives. Hebrews 4.12, you know this well, I'm sure, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, it's fascinating because we can all look at one another and I can guarantee you that there is nobody here who has the ability to accurately, with full discernment, 
judge the thoughts and the intentions of any one of our hearts. I can't look at you and judge the thoughts and intentions completely and fully. And in fact, if I start to do that, I get myself into a lot of trouble. Amen? Because that's called, (laughs) well, there's a lot of things that's called. But it can lead to a lot of bad things. We jump to conclusions that we shouldn't jump to. We begin to judge, which leads to condemnation, which leads in many ways to put ourselves into a place of of, uh, Phariseeism, if I could put it that way, spiritual pride. Only the Lord is able to look into our hearts and judge the thoughts and the intentions. And the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it is able to cut through, if I could say it this way, all the nonsense. You think you can lie to other people, and maybe you can, but you cannot lie to God. I cannot lie to God. Because God is able to look at me, and he knows exactly what my thoughts, intentions, and what my motives are. Folks, if we're not careful about that, we'll find ourselves in a lot of trouble. 1 Peter 2.2, he says, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. And I absolutely love that verse. The longing there, the longing is a command. Long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. By what? By the word of God. So that you may grow in respect to to salvation. When we get into the word of God and we begin to walk with the Lord, he begins to teach us, mold us, conform us to his image, renew our minds and all the rest. There comes a moment where we begin to recognize that this is something God has to do within us. And the promise here is when we long for the pure milk of the word and when we get into the word of God, what's going to happen? That God using his word will begin to grow us with respect to our salvation. Beautiful truth. Beautiful truth. Well, thirdly, it's an eternal word, an eternal word. The word of God lasts forever. Matthew 5.18, the Lord spoke to this. He says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Not one jot, not one tittle. Not one mark made will pass. It is an eternal word. Folks, when God says that his word will last forever, we better take note of that word. We better kind of sit up and recognize that when we deal with the word of God, when we deal with the Bible, when we deal with Holy Scripture, we're dealing with something essential that is for our lives and for what God has done for us. God's word is an eternal word. Thank you for doing that, Mario. God's word is an eternal word, right? Luke 21, 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Think about that. When we get into the word of God and you begin to be taught by the Lord, the Holy Spirit begins to illumine his word in your life. Guess what? His word will never pass away. That's incredible. It's hard for us to even understand, isn't it? Because in the midst of it, everything around us seems to be passing away. It's hard for us to comprehend eternity. The reality of it is God's word is eternal. Why? It's an eternal word. Because Christ himself is eternal. And when he speaks something, it is true, and it's true for all time, past, present, and future. 1 Peter 1.25, in the epistles, this is reiterated over and over, but Peter writes this, the word of the Lord endures forever. 
forever. And then he clarifies, and this is the word which was preached to you. Praise God. Why do you think we preach the word? Because it's eternal. It's God's word. It's able to change. It's able to transform. It's able to convict, admonish, to encourage. It's able to renew our minds. Why? Because it's God's word. It's eternal. It goes without saying that God's word is an all-powerful word. When we talk about the word of God and we talk about uh, from whence it comes, right, which is from Christ himself, Hebrews 1.3, speaking of Jesus, he says he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. What holds all things together? God's word. To all the technical details of how atoms work and all the stuff that takes place, we still have no clue why it holds together in the sense of scientific discovery. The reality of it is we know how it holds all together because the word of God declares this. It is because it is God who holds it all together by the authority and power of who he is through his word. In 2 Peter chapter 3, again, speaking to this, in verses 5 through 7, Peter writes, For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, the earth was formed out of the water, and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Wow. By his word. These things are being reserved for future judgment and the end of sin and the end of unbelief. It's by God's word. Why? Because the Lord, when he speaks, has the authority to create something out of nothing. His word is a dynamic, all-powerful, creative, sustaining word. And when he says something, things happen. Amazing. You know, when you think about that with our own salvation and our own lives, when Jesus Christ promised that if you believe in me, you will have eternal life, think about that. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, and when God speaks, what happens? We have new life. Is that new life something we've earned? Absolutely not. Is it something we can pay God back for? No way. It is because of God's authoritative, all-powerful word that it takes place. The promise that each and every one of us have the opportunity of experiencing. What are the effects of the word? My goodness, that we could spend a long time on that, couldn't we? Let me just give you a few. First of all, he creates within us a grateful heart. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, Paul writes, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms meaning the word of God. Hymns speaking about who God is. Spiritual songs, our testimony about God. Singing with what? Thankfulness in your hearts to God. Wow. What does the word of God do? When we receive the word of God and when we have the word of Christ richly dwelling within us, God begins to produce within us. Grateful hearts. 
a testimony about his sovereignty in the midst of our circumstances, his power in the midst of our circumstances, his goodness in the midst of our circumstances, he begins to create within us joyful hearts. Not only that, but he begins to teach us what it means to walk by faith. Romans 10, 17, he says this, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing how? By the word of Christ, the word of God. See, Romans makes it very clear the righteous shall walk by what? Faith. And what is faith? Faith is the willingness to be persuaded that God is able, no matter what I understand or don't understand. That I trust the Lord, no matter what it is that I see, no matter what it is that I can figure out or can't figure out. That God is able, that God is all-powerful, that I trust the Lord, that I believe him, that I'm willing and persuaded absolutely in the midst of whatever circumstance or situation I may be in, that God is sovereign over it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing is by the word of Christ. So if I'm not in the word of God, and if I'm not listening carefully, intently, receiving from the Lord what he has to say, if I'm not being taught by the Lord through his word, how then am I learning to walk and or walking by faith? It's impossible. Well, we're cleansed. We're cleansed. In Ephesians chapter 5, this great passage about husbands and wives, which is really a picture of the church, Paul writes in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And here's what Christ has done for the church. He gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, how? By the washing of water with the word. Wow. Amazing. Right? We, are, we need baths, folks. I hate to tell you that, but if you don't believe me, go ahead for this week and just don't take a bath. See what happens. See what happens. You show up next Sunday and you can sit right there and we'll film it. (laughs) We need baths. Now, I love what Peter did, right? The Lord came to wash his feet and said, Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter was like, no, you're not, Lord. No way. You don't need to wash my feet. And the Lord said, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter, always taking both feet out of his mouth, said, Lord, give me the whole bath. Give me the whole bath. (laughs) Don't you love Peter? And what did the Lord say to him? Peter, you already had the whole bath. I just need to wash your feet. See, when we come to know Christ, that is the bath. But now as believers, as we begin to walk in the experience of what God has declared us positionally to be, guess what? There's times we trip and stumble. We live in a fallen and dirty world. We still have sin within us. That is in our flesh, as Paul tells us in Romans. And as a result, we need our hands washed and we need our feet washed. And thank God for what John wrote to us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not the whole bath. That's the washing that comes from the word. Because as believers, we are walking with him day by day, moment by moment. And there are times we do trip and we stumble and we need to agree with God that we have sinned and receive from him the forgiveness that he already has for us. Amen.
How does that take place? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. God's word is a reconciling word. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Wow. See, there's two ideas for reconcile. Two ideas for reconcile or reconciliation. Let me illustrate it this way. Every once in a while, my wife and I, have a little bit of an argument. Now, you may not think that Stephanie ever, ever argues. She's a firstborn like I'm a firstborn, and, and she's got some strong will too. I know that I'm 99% wrong. <laughs> I'm learning, right? I'm learning. <laughs> I know that. But boy, I hang on to that 1%. It's dear to me. <laughs> So in order for us to be reconciled to one another, guess what has to happen? I got to say, oh, honey, I blew it. I'm so sorry. I'm terrible. I'm awful. I sinned against you. I did this, and it was wrong. And she needs to come to me and say, you know, Eric, I was wrong. You were 99% wrong, and I was only 1% wrong. But I'm going to agree and admit that. And therefore, reconciliation can take place. That is not what's being said here. What's the word of reconciliation to the world? It is Jesus, God, is 100% correct. And until we come to the point where we realize we are 100% at fault, there is no reconciliation. Because if we go to the Lord and say, there's .00009% of your fault here, Lord, We haven't caught it. We haven't got it. We've got to come to the Lord and recognize that the Lord is the Lord. We've got to recognize that he's 100% correct. And we've got to understand that we're 100% wrong. And grace and mercy kick in because the Lord says, I know that. But I love you anyway. And that's why I went to the cross. Because your debt had to be 100% paid for, but you couldn't pay for it. So I did in your place. Wow. Lastly, the ministry of the word. Folks, the ministry of the word is essential. Acts 6, 2 through 4 is a story about the, the initial deacons, the prototypes, if you will. The 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, the service of the word. It's important that widows are taken care of. Amen. Or orphans. Amen. It's important that the body is built up in love. Amen. And all the activities that come out of that, absolutely Missions is essential. Discipleship in terms of equipping is essential. But friends, if we neglect the ministry of the word of God, none of those things are going to take place in the power of God. We've got to understand that the word of God is essential to the body of Christ for everything that we've been talking about. There are so many different ways that we're attacked in terms of how we think. Isn't there? 
The word of God is absolute truth. God, in fact, in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, God cannot lie. Think about that. He cannot lie. It's not just that he doesn't lie. He cannot lie. And so we've got a question. Are we going to believe what God says? Are we going to believe what the world, what the flesh, what the devil wants to throw at us? We are beloved of God. Do you believe that? God loves you unconditionally. Do you believe that? When you trip and you stumble, when you fail miserably, do you still believe that the Lord loves you just as much as if you hadn't tripped and stumbled? No, because that's what God's word says. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What else do I need? Well, I don't have enough patience. Oh, yes, you do, friend. Why? Because Christ, who is all patient, lives in you. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There's nothing that I need because I have everything that I need in Christ. Do we really believe that? Christ can transform us as we walk by faith. Do we believe that the Lord himself is able to grow us, is able to mature us, is able to teach us, is changing us, transforming us, conforming us to his image, and that the circumstances of our lives have been filtered through his hands for that express purpose? Oh, things didn't go the way I wanted them to go, or this person treated me wrong, or this person said this wrong about me, or this was just flat out terrible, and I shouldn't have to endure that circumstance. Really? Do we believe things have been filtered through God's hands for our benefit or not? That's absolutely essential, folks. If we say we believe the word of God, then we recognize. God didn't say that everything that's going to happen to us is good, but he did promise that he was working to conform us to his image and that he would bring good out of everything that would happen to us. Do we believe that? We can never be separated from the love of Christ. We are never alone. We're never alone. If we're believers in Christ, Christ indwells within us, and we are never alone, ever. We may feel alone. There may not be anybody around us that we can see. But friend, if you have Christ living within you, then you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are not alone. Understand that. Know that have that change you in the midst of circumstances. We can never be separated from the love of Christ, not even by ourselves. Think about that. We're promised heaven. We're sealed in the Holy Spirit as a down payment of that promise. Do we believe that? What lies are you possibly listening to? Oh, there's so many, aren't there? There's so many. What does the word of God say? Are you comparing and contrasting the thoughts that you have or what others are saying about you with what the word of God says? And are you filtering circumstances through the grid of the truth of the all-powerful, all-enduring word of God? That's the question. See, the word of God is a weapon 
for the church. Why? Because it's the truth of God. It cuts through all the nonsense. It's transformative for us, and it teaches us how to begin to walk with God according to his strength, his power, and his ways. And as a result, we have a testimony to share with others, and that testimony needs words attached to it, yes, but we need a life attached to those words that reflect the reality of the presence of Christ within us. Amen? God's word is essential. Let me leave you with one thought because this is such a great statement. It was out of a book written by Willow Creek. They did a massive study on their church. They had several different things that they were struggling with and wrestling with. They did this survey of their body and they began to find some things. And one of the things they found is that the word of God is the most effective transformational tool, no matter what level of maturity you may be at. And so one of the things they said, a church that is practicing these things that are literally walking in the ways of God, growing and experiencing health and all this kind of stuff, one of the things they said, practice to, they embed the Bible in everything. He says, at best practice churches, the Bible goes well beyond its role as the foundation for teaching and life instruction. These churches, and I love this, listen to this, own it. They breathe scripture. Every encounter and experience within the church begins with the question, what does the Bible have to say about that? And church leaders model living life according to the answers to that question. Amen and amen. Are we a people that breathe scripture? That in everything, our first response is, what does the word of God say about that? Folks, that's what's needed in this culture we're in because it is absolutely a war that can be won in Christ because he's sufficient, he's already had the victory, and we get to walk in the midst of it. Are we doing that? Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.